Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So let us begin. This week, the story is all about the rumor mill. The leakosphere, what can, cannot, and could possibly be expected from the Star Wars machine going forward. We have, like, shockingly few weeks before the start of our next big episodic event on Disney+, and of course that comes in the form of the Book of Boba Fett. That's going to be just after Christmas. It's really sneaking up. Ross has curated some content for us to cover in the meantime, but this week, just some headlines, some theories to discuss. Ross, is this the the calm before the storm? I think that's how we've kind of been considering it for a few months now. Yes, I would definitely say that's the case. It's a little bit of an interesting one because we kind of thought we were getting a bit of a storm. Uh, there was this Disney Plus day, and everyone thought that we were going to get a full-fledged Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. Uh, potentially some announcements of new projects, maybe a book of Boba Fett trailer on top of that, maybe a kind of sizzle reel behind the scenes of Andor. Uh, and in the end, what we got was a kind of a sizzle, re- sizzle reel behind the scenes of Obi-Wan. And that was absolutely it. Uh, there's been lots of leaks, though, going out and lots of rumors flying around uh, and lots of other things going on kind of in the news that were kind of surprises, but a lot of the things that people were expecting some news on, they didn't really get. Right. But regardless, we have Book of Boba Fett coming out uh, in five weeks uh, or so. And after that, there we all know what 2022 is is bringing. And uh, we'll talk kind of talk through those things uh, here tonight. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if there are actually any big story hinging revelations in the book of Boba Fett or if we're just going to get like a really great pulpy adventure that kind of bolsters our understanding of the background of this character we've known for a long time like as long as Disney's been in the business of making Star Wars there's been so much attention paid to like what information we can know and what we can't know and how this relates to that and what this might be foreshadowing and I I do mean largely with just like Rey and the Skywalker saga although a little bit of that with the Mandalorian through like uh, Grogu, for example, like there's, and I just mean to say there's so much secrecy around where are we going and how does this impact the greater story? And I do kind of wonder if they're a little bit off the hook in the term, in terms of Boba Fett, because like it doesn't matter that much as long as they deliver something entertaining. That's true. But Boba Fett as a character is, he's linked to Han Solo with his storylines. He's linked to the fact that, uh, Luke is the reason that he ended up in the Sarlacc pit as long as, as well as Han. Uh, but he's got a real reason to dislike him. He's got a reason to dislike Jedi's in general though, because of Mace Windu uh, and the fact that he dates back to the Clone Wars. He's a clone. So he's a very interesting character now that we've built up all these new layers on top of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would agree that there is definitely a bit of a kind of a way out that you don't have as much, um, I guess, Dom, you don't have. There aren't as many dominoes already set up. Yeah. still to knock over. It's They've more self-reliant. Of, I think it's less dependency. Okay, yeah, that's that's a really good way of putting it. But in that same vein, I think we're going to set up a lot of things. Uh, there's a chance we could get a season two of Book of Boba Fett, um, and then there's also the fact that um, it's pro- it's considered a Mando season two point five kind right. of. Yeah, and so there's a pretty decent chance it's going to be bolstering that 
Mandoverse, uh, the Favreau and Filoni-verse with those shows that are in that time period and whatever interconnected storyline is coming down the pipeline with them. It's also clearly going to be an, a critical chapter in the greater Star Wars clone story, which has been ongoing and like certainly when they started Star Wars in in 1977 george lucas might have known but pretty much nobody else knew aside from like a very casual aside about you fought in the clone wars said to old ben kenobi like we didn't know that this story was so heavily going to rely on like a clone army and yeah. obviously that story has further developed over time and, and boba fett is kind of the most distilled interesting version of that in this era uh, in this era, for sure, uh, it'll be interesting to see if Rex is in this era as well. It'll be someone who's aged a lot more rapidly uh, than Boba. Uh, and I wouldn't expect to see him in Book of Boba Fett, but I would expect to see him in Ahsoka. So that would certainly make some sense. Uh, but there is, I'd say Bad Batch is something, and we're going to go uh, maybe dive a little bit more into Bad Batch before Book of Boba Fett so that there's some additional context. But that is a really great show for diving into uh, the, uh, the DNA of what a clone is in Star Wars pun kind of intended there. Right. What is your plan uh, and, for the podcast in the coming weeks, by the way, we're going to, we're going to do some arcs, I guess, in, in the, in the bad batch and something like pretty preliminary just to kind of yeah. cr create a more solid foundation for what we're likely to see in book of Boba Fett. Yeah, there are some things in, that happen in the Bad Batch that I think would be very beneficial to know going into the Book of Boba Fett, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's about the character as a whole, whether it's about um, motivations, uh, about some characters who could pop up, characters we know are going to pop up. It's It would just be beneficial. And so I'm going to get you to watch some certain episodes, and then we'll kind of talk about the whole season as an overall uh, and the big kind of the takeaways from that and what we might see moving forward and um, I, what you what you like and what you dislike and uh, what you think will translate well to live action and what you don't think will translate well to live action uh, because there's going to be so many things that are going to tie in with the Bad Batch. It's, uh, it's very much like the Mandalorian uh, of a different time period and you can see how easily it ties in with bloody everything. So... Uh, that's gonna, it's going to have a, a potentially uh, a ripe future for offshoots. What has been the reception of the Bad Batch overall? It seems like it's kind of had a soft landing other than with the super stands like yourself. Yep. It, is, uh, it doesn't seem to land quite as well as Rebels or the Clone Wars, uh, which is where I would agree. I would say it's easily had the best uh, pilot of any of those shows by comparable. Uh, and I think it has one of the stronger probably first seasons too hmm. uh but in that same vein if it takes the trajectory of those other animated shows then it's going to be killer by the end it's going to be absolutely incredible but it is nowhere near what we got at the end of clone wars which is what we just came off of right and so although the animation quality is easily that good which is beautiful to watch uh the storylines and the characters we just don't have as much the stakes just aren't as high for us uh, and they are high, but they're just not quite as high. Whereas rebels and clone wars did a really, really phenomenal job of that clone wars, especially seeing as you don't like you, there are very few characters other than you, you're the entire time wondering what the fate of Ahsoka is going to be, but everybody else, you pretty much know what happens to them because you have revenge of the Sith. Right. It's going to happen after it, but it still did such a good job of making those stakes. Uh, whereas bad batch, this is the beginning of a 19 year window, which the only like real 
like live well, I was going to say it was the only visual, so animated and live action combined story that we have in that 19 year period is Solo. Yeah. Uh, and, and Rebels, of course, as well. Uh, I'm not counting Rogue One because it's like days before A New Hope. Yeah. Uh, and so like you get a pretty much a full 19 years, but the only thing we've had is this like Rebels, the only fleshed out thing, and then just kind of this one off shoot in Solo and Bad Batch starts at the beginning. And so it's going to really kind of, be an interesting thing to to spread out from there uh it is we're kind of a little all over the place in the the directions that we're going but because we were talking about bad batch and animation uh we can talk a little bit about uh one of the the rumors that's out there and that is of uh, a crimson dawn show coming right out. did we talk about this in the pod already i don't believe we have okay uh, it's been a while since we've had one. And yeah. so I, uh, that's something that's kind of come out uh, as something that we thought we maybe were going to get a little bit of information on on Disney Plus Day. Uh, but it appears that some mainstays, Sam Witwer, who does the voice of Darth Maul, uh, Paul Bettany, uh, these people are rumored to be involved in a Star Wars animated project. Mm. And when you have Paul Bettany and Sam Witwer, it's pretty obvious what's going on, seeing as that is the head of crimson dawn and uh the the smaller head i guess of crimson dawn the the, the chief goon and uh, they have that digital rendering of dryden voss which just briefly made a cameo and a hologram in the end of the clone wars which we noticed and could just have been an easter egg but it seems sensible that that exists on someone's hard drive and they might as well build that out absolutely i mean you have this character who we know the end of his story, but it was a good character and we can tell a lot before then. And so if we can figure out how Maul loses his power, uh, maybe get a couple seasons and then, I mean, who knows? Maybe it could be kind of cool if this show took place around Solo. So like season, the final episode of season two uh, maybe has like a, a different viewpoint uh, like maybe we're spending a lot of time with Maul near the end of season two and he calls up Kira at the end and it's like meet me on Dathomir and then we or, switch back and so you get the little bit before and a little bit after whereas Kira gets brought in. Yeah, that would be cool. Or for that matter, like start to reincorporate Alden Ehrenreich through animation for all I care. Like if if that's the way to f like continue some of the story that's left on the cutting room floor after the debacle that was the commercial debacle that was solo, uh, which we seem to talk about ad nauseum, um, mm. you know, maybe, maybe that's an opportunity to bring them back, if not through yeah. other Kira avenues or other Lando avenues. Yeah, that's absolutely a great point. Yeah. But I think that it malls right full place is in animation. I think they can do more that way. Uh, they can use Ray Park if they need to, but they don't need to use his face. Uh, and that way they can do what they did on the big fight scenes and do use some choreography in that regard, which is really cool anyway. Uh, and Sam Whitwork can really kind of flex his chops there as Darth Maul. And Darth Maul's made his bones in animation. The Phantom Menace is not what makes Darth Maul Darth Maul anymore. I mean, right. yes, Duel of the Fates is, is incredible, but uh, over time, Darth Maul becomes less and less the thing that you focus on in that fight, in my opinion. Yeah. And everything else about Darth Maul becomes far more interesting. And so. No chance we're going to see Ray Park as Darth Maul in Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
no, I just, it just doesn't make sense. They went the right route and they're focusing on Vader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is the, the best transition ever to go into Obi-Wan. Uh, they specifically say uh, he has one task left. Keep Luke safe. And that's the starting place that they have for the story. Obviously, things go out from there. Uh, this is the, what Deborah Chow and Ewan McGregor were saying in the kind of sneak peek behind the scenes. This is a, um, what I quite believe is what the investors saw last year. So yeah. this is old. This I- is almost 12 months old. Uh, and really the fact that we're, this is all we got is kind of lame. It feels misleading unless they've got some other really big splashy thing planned for not too far down the road. I hope we don't have to wait until the season finale of Book of Boba Fett to get like a teaser of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which will at that time be like not that far around the corner. It's a possibility, but yeah, like you texted me that day, like it's a, it's a pretty sure deal. We're going to see some footage and we didn't, we just saw this like, little little package this 90 second package of ewan mcgregor saying the same like cliches about how it'll be special for the fans and it's really nice for me to get to work with hayden again and i guess the only other thing that's kind of cool is we got to see some concept art yeah well i think the big thing is that he's not necessarily saying these things again he's saying quotes that we've heard yeah and so the fact that he's saying these quotes we've heard make it me believe that this is the package that was shown to investors almost a year ago. Right. So something uh, happened behind closed doors then. Like they maybe yes. they were planning on it and they're like, wait a second, we can't put this out today. Oh, you mean? Oh, um, maybe. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I, I think that this was just the the rumor verse got it wrong. Okay. Uh, and that maybe. Maybe a lot of these things are ready and are, and are coming at some point. Uh, and they just assumed that it was Disney Plus Day. I don't know. But uh, I, it doesn't. I don't know why that they would hold something back and then we'd still be, I don't know, two weeks later without it. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Because they could make edits to it if they had to, like, cut out Tobey Maguire or something. Yes. That's very relevant. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, the concept art is is really cool, though. That is one thing that is a benefit. Uh, we get to see uh, Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan, and he just looks dusty as hell. Yeah. Uh, he's just caked in layers of sand and dust riding on an EOP. And the EOP's got this, like, it looks like an upside-down laundry basket from the 70s on it <laughs> uh it is it is really it's an extremely a new hope looking image great with but the best part is it's got it's an Yopi, which is a prequel uh character it's the farting ones from the right. phantom menace yeah uh it's also what he takes to go drop luke off to Baru and owen uh and so maybe it's his faithful Yopi. yeah um and uh, he really, it's just, it's such a great blend of those two movies. And so it's amazing that you can get that in one shot. Uh, and then the next shot is a bunch of stormtroopers in the Jedi temple. Mm-hmm. And it is just so ominous and it just, it looks dark and dreary. Uh, and as opposed to those kind of like that ominous green lighting being all seen a, seeming like it's wisdomful or uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is um, ominous in a, 
in, in, in a wise seeming way in the okay. Jedi temple. You, you right. know, it's going to cut that like, like that aura about it. Aura is the word I'm looking for. Sure. All right. Uh, where like when you think of the library scene in Attack of the Clones, mm-hmm. um, imagine like a, like a stateliness, like a, an erudition. Yeah. Uh, but also very futuristic. Yeah. Almost like like a, a futuristic, like a hydroponic uh, grow up. And it's all like the lights and it's yeah. uh, very futuristic. But imagine that being much more uh, barren and with soldiers walking around with guns. It's just it really takes something that is uh, a place of knowledge and uh, for learning and um, wonderment and makes it this really kind of ominous prison. Uh, yeah. So it's it's very cool shot. There was a previous version of the Obi-Wan story circa somewhere around here, whether it was the the book in Legends or it was the previous scripts that they scrapped before they made this show in particular, where the tone was decidedly that of a Western, that they were really going for the stylings of like a classic, I don't know, Dirty Harry movie or something. And I wonder if any of that will survive in this show or if it's just going to take on like the greater... Star Wars genre rather than because we've talked a little bit about like the different genres and traditional Mm. cinematic styles that could appear in Star Wars. Um, And I wonder if we're going to lean into any of that with like really prestige properties like Obi-Wan or if they're going to just try and I hesitate to say like sanitize because that sounds like a pejorative. I think they'll they'll do the right thing. But like Star Wars is starting to have kind of a uh, a monoculture about it. And I wonder if maybe we could choose to be like really stylistically interesting, like the way Robert Rodriguez is probably going to have a different tone with his his TV show than, say, even Mandalorian. Yeah, I think that I think that's better a better playground for it. Uh, and I don't th- I, th- I think that, yes, there should be maybe that bit of that tone taken w- with every property, but not to the fullest extent. Uh, I think a Western is incorrect for Obi-Wan. Yeah, and I think just fundamentally that story is way too small. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original story that they were going to make into a movie was, it's just, it was a too, it was too small of a story and not important enough. Agreed. Uh, not involving Vader. I mean, yes, it was a Luke protection story, but it's that you really, I feel can tie the trilogies better together and link Luke, Obi-Wan and Vader. And that, trio relationship in a more interesting way and by the sounds of it everything the way that they're describing it that's what they're doing and that almost makes me feel like it's should maybe reflect the samurai vibes of star wars or maybe a little bit more than the western vibes but in that same vein i do agree that some shows should take a bit more of an approach and i think the acolyte is going to take a bit of a style approach where it's going to be maybe the darkest thing we've ever seen in Star Wars up to a certain point. Uh, and like you said, Book of Boba Fett is going to be very rip roaring and fast paced. So, so the acolyte is Leslie Headland, correct? Yes. Let's talk about some of the other potential Star Wars creators who appear to be on thin ice. Uh, sure. Uh, so um, we just in terms of the the Obi Wan stuff, there is some other good uh, artwork of Vader um, talking on a hologram, and of course a duel, which could be on Mustafar again. Oh yeah, um, that would be great. That w- would be interesting if we do round two, particularly on Mustafar. That yeah. could be quite interesting. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but 
Mostly, the, the main one would be Patty Jenkins, mm -hmm. uh, and that would be that uh, Rogue Squadron is officially uh, delayed for an undisclosed amount of time or an indefinite period of time. I'm having trouble finding my words tonight. Um, and it really does not look good, <laughs> whether they're saying it, they're saying publicly it's a calendar issue. And a lot of people are saying behind the doors that it is absolutely not. It is a creative difference issue and that there's a decent chance Patty Jenkins has already left the project or will be leaving the project or the project will be kicked far down the line. Just overall, a very bad thing for Star Wars films, especially the next one to come out. Oh, it is the next one to come out. Yeah, that is kind of a drag. I will say, uh, on the day, however long ago it was, that they announced like the most Star Wars things they've ever announced on a single day. We were mm. very excited about it, and we did a podcast formatically not unlike this one. And I said then, look, there's too many things on this list for all of it to survive. Something here isn't going to happen. And that is probably still true. Oh, absolutely. The issue is that we already had Rangers of the New Republic mm -hmm. uh, fall, yeah, and we've not heard anything about Lando, and nope. we've had this be an issue. And then there's also some rumors that the Taika thing is having some creative dif difficulties, maybe. Now, those are significantly less substantiated rumors. The Patty Jenkins ones are very strong. Uh, but just as an overall... Uh, Kathleen Kennedy had her term re-upped for another three years, which is good. But in general, Star Wars is having a lot of issues with uh, leadership and vision. And so re-upping the person who's at the head of that is also a little bit concerning when there might be a lot of projects that are in flux at the moment. So uh, well, with all that said, there are, are some other ones that may be coming in to substitute them as well. The thing about Taika Waititi is that he is, I mean, he, he made, he's made great Mandalorian, like of what we've seen. And, and yes. so I guess he is capable of like playing within the rules, but like he himself is such a creative outlaw and he really shouldn't be told what to do. He really should not stifle his incredible artistic uh, capacity because it's so special. And considering what we've seen happen with Lord and Miller, and I don't know if this is the case with Patty Jenkins, but Star Wars is not always very friendly to somebody who has a very specific style of filmmaking. And 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 so there's that. I don't know if that is, is threatening his, his role at Star Wars. And there's also just the fact that he has to be so, so busy. Like anytime mm. he's on, he's on like an interview, he's talking about how he's working on a Thor movie or, um, I mean, he he's he still produces what we do in the shadows and that reservation show, which name escapes me right now. Like this is a very very busy reservation guy. Dogs. Reservation dogs. How in the world could he have time to make a Star Wars movie on top of all that? Well, I mean, it's very possible, but I I struggle with the creative differences thing because as much as yes, you shouldn't be meddling. Uh, the only proof that we have of people where the meddling has got them like they've actually removed people was Lord and Miller who are mm -hmm. apparently lying to the studio or not necessarily lying, but like yep. words, I shouldn't say that they were just things were, they weren't making the movie necessarily that they said they were going to be making. Sure. Um, and then you have Colin Trevorrow, who in my opinion has 
a script that was on paper much like uh, just a, a really good script and did not need to be thrown out mm. but the the ending theme and like the the fundamental i guess message he wanted to get across with Colin Trevorrow's episode nine was just wrong it, was and wrong. it went against everything in star wars and so like both of those instances where it, that's a creative difference parting i agree and kathleen kennedy was protecting star wars mm -hmm. but at the same time where is it can't can't there be some form of compromise why do creative differences need to get so messy yeah and why can't these things be figured out way earlier right and if tyke is having issues then that makes a lot less sense because then that kind of disproves the school of favreau and filoni and are they able to um train new people up or is it going to be something whereas Favreau and Filoni need supervision with these people to be able to uh get the same sort of uh product out of them so I don't know uh but overall Patty Jenkins is somebody who got a project and has seemed to have a vision and so it she was psyched about it at first. She was like so vocally excited about mm. how the story was personal to her. And that was what was most appealing to us. Well, and that's the thing that makes this make sense to me is why weren't there conversations about what, what, how far off can you be creative differences if you had an idea at the beginning? Yeah. Is this going to be like, and, and even like Rogue One kills everyone. And so, but the movie's all about hope. And so like you can have movies where people die and still have a strong message so like what was the movie like what was the theme going to be i highly doubt patty jenkins was going to be making some like de like highly depressing like a movie. cynical movie yeah that yeah no. it's like the one thing it's like really the the major rule of star wars is that it just you cannot produce it cannot be in any way cynical right. uh you need it needs to have a lesson or two in there right um but I don't think that would have been an issue. And so this one just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it did seem so fleshed out mm. already. Or maybe that was me. We were being misled and that she just said, I wanted to make a fight. I, I want to make a fighter pilot movie. And they were like, cool. And they just gave it to her the same way that uh, Josh Trank got a, a Boba Fett movie um, when he right. had the Fantastic Four. And then they changed their mind last minute and then basically kicked him out of star wars celebration and said no no you can't go on stage um is that what happened like he got he got fired at star wars celebration uh not is either celebration or comic-con that's messy. And, it was, and it wasn't necessarily fired right then and there but it was like right before oh. like people were like it was like right before and it, yeah josh trank's departure was 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 a messy one from uh from, from Lucasfilm, although he didn't speak negatively about them, it just it was it, it sounds of it they just <laughs> cut him at the knees when he had a bad film. At the risk of asking a kind of neck beardy question, if there's messiness happening right now behind closed doors, does that have anything to do with the re-upping of Kathy Kennedy's contract? Um, I don't think that would have that would have created any messiness. I think that if there's messiness, that's a not necessarily a great thing to have done right um but then again it all depends on on exactly what's going on uh maybe kathleen kennedy uh there is rumor that there's going to be a movie still in 2023 that was my next question is if it's not patty jenkins what's next in the theatrical slate 
Well, this is where ultimately you can't jump to the conclusion that Kathleen Kennedy is making the mistake and this is that the rumor is that maybe there's an old Republic or a high Republic movie. Right. Now, I, I remember the name Leda Caligratus because it, I had to, like, I don't know, take 100 attempts to learn how to pronounce it uh, because she was heavily, heavily rumored uh, in 2019 to be writing an Old Republic adaptation. Yeah. And so adapting the old game and taking, like the, I, I believe, the major story and making it into a film, whether that's awesome. I, I, probably a canon film of sorts. Um, and that's phenomenal. It uh, is, except for that Hollywood does not have a great track record of adapting video games. Doesn't mean it can't be done, but like it hasn't been done well very many times. That is a very good point. That is a very good point. But then again, they're also redoing the game as well. And so it's interesting to see in what kind of liberties would be different mm -hmm. from the game. Would it be just, would it be something that is a complete kind of one for one or just maybe takes a few things from it and builds its own story from there. Who right. knows? But either way, if that's a project that has a script that's been worked on for two years, that's something that could be plug and play and ready to go with you get a director and then you hit the ground running. Could that director be Ryan Johnson? Maybe. That'd be very cool. Yeah. Uh, and so if you have something, there's an example, you have a director you already and so it, these are the kind of things that it could make sense that they could just slip one of these things in, bump Rogue Squadron back to 2024, and then there's no issues whatsoever. Yep. Maybe that's the case. And ultimately, in that case, that means we just get an extra Star Wars movie, and that could be great. Yeah. But there is no confirmation on it being Old Republic, High Republic, or if it's either going to be, or if it's even going to happen. Uh, but that is certainly the the rumor out there is that it's we're not going to be getting nothing in the, in replace of Rogue Squadron. I mean, I'm not concerned that there's not going to be enough Star Wars. I just want the Star Wars that they make to be well conceived and and artfully nurtured. You know, because we've yes. seen cases where stuff is the creators were trusted and. Usually that was the right call. Other times where the creators were not trusted and it was usually the wrong call. Like it's actually a pretty easy recipe for making satisfying Star Wars stuff. And I just hope that they've learned from from the lessons that that have uh, have come along. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe that you got it right there. It's that the meddling is the issue. If you meddle, you and, and maybe that's what they've identified that they don't want to meddle. If they if we do any minor meddling, then we don't like what we get, so we just fire them right from the get-go. Uh, well, except for that Rogue One is the exception because they did meddle in that movie and they saved it. it absolutely. They meddled incredibly. Yeah. They meddled an insane amount. Yeah. And I'm sure they've, well, they've, they've, they haven't appeared to meddle a whole lot in television. Uh, but That's what I mean. Seem... They trust Favreau and Filoni and they need to find some movie creators who they can be a little more hands-off about. Like they were... With JJ the first time, although maybe he, maybe they weren't with JJ the first time. Maybe JJ was like a real rule follower, and that's part of the problem. Yeah, I, I think he and Ryan both played ball a little bit. JJ, I think a little less on, or I don't think it was. I think he was given more freedom on Rise of Skywalker for sure, for better um, or worse. But that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, I don't. I'm not uh, coming up with any other ideas for. For subject matter, is there any other news that we haven't hit upon? 
A couple small things. Uh, Chloe Zhao was rumored to be doing a Feige Star Wars movie, but then that was shot down. Maybe it's still the case, but it was shot down as not being the case as of now. I mean, this is the reigning uh, Best Director Oscar winner. But she also yeah. made Eternals, which is just like widely reviled. And so I don't know if we wanted to make a Star Wars thing. It, I wouldn't say that's the case. I think it's a more complex than a movie than a lot of people wanted to. I didn't. I didn't see it, but I think a lot. I think it's not necessarily what people were expecting for Marvel, and so I don't think that. And, and it's not hated. So I don't know. I actually, I, I would be totally game for it. I think it's. I think it would be a great call. She's a great. Um, she's a great filmmaker. There's no question. Uh, but I mean, there's a big difference between Nomadland and. A Guardians of the Galaxy ripoff, which Eternals kind of appears to be. And I guess what I mean by by what I said is just that it was like a total commercial failure and that nobody is mm. jumping for joy about this movie. It does not does not really appear to be the the success that her other movie this year was. Yeah, no, I think the big thing with Eternals is that like you kind of said, like the, like the IP is just I had never heard of the Eternals. Sorry, I'm not a big comic book guy, but like I've heard of enough of the characters who have gotten I, I i i don't know anything about shang chi but i've heard of shang chi yeah i had never heard of the eternals before this no and so like there is that i think guardians of the galaxy would be another example in that same area but anyway that's that's beside the point i do i do think though that the scope of something like that and i don't think the direction was necessarily panned uh does show that she might be a good fit. Uh, and certainly the cinematography um, is incredible. I know she's not the cinematographer, but uh, that's something that can generally come with, with your team. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that fair enough. You convinced me. Uh, and uh, Matt Smith. So he finally oh, answered yeah. the question about his involvement in the rise of Skywalker uh, and says, uh, that was, you know, we were close to, to me being in it and it was never, it never quite happened. Uh, I think the thing that they were thinking for me, eventually the part became obsolete. They didn't need it. So I never got to be in Star Wars. Uh, I could not possibly say, but it was a pretty groovy thing. It was a pretty groovy part in concept. It was like a big thing. Yeah, it was a big story detail, like, you know, transformative Star Wars detail, but never <laughs> quite got there. It was like a big shift in the history of the franchise. Wow. So Palpatine related. Yeah, everybody believed it was, and I stand by. He was very likely young Palpatine when he sucks the life force out of them. He likely returned to young in self. his prime, yeah. young Palpatine, and then they decided, "Oh my God, people are so excited! Ian McDermott's going to be in this thing. Let's not cut his screen time in half and replace him with a different human being." Yeah, I guess. Except for that, it would be so cool if he got young again. That would have been so cool. Uh, I think it would have been cool. Uh, definitely. Uh, it would have been, the whole scene would have been a lot more logical if Palpatine didn't just know what was going on, had fucking planned it. Yeah. Um, the fact that like a diet, a life, a, a, a bond, like a, a force, like life itself. Or, mm. And it's just like, come on, like you're just discovering this now. Like the whole point was that you knew it and that, Kylo thought you didn't know it and that 
the whole point was that he needed you both there to drain you. Like it, it just, it would have made so much more sense. And, but th- then under those circumstances, I wouldn't have cared whether he had become Matt Smith or Stadium McDermott, because I would have been happy that Palpatine outsmarted everybody. I, I, I really completely forgot about the Matt Smith of it all, but it's funny because do you remember how many conversations we had on this podcast about like who Matt Smith might be? Because it was, it was like the enduring mystery in cast rumors for so, so long. Mm. And at times we even thought it was confirmed and like, we thought like, well, maybe he's going to be one of the Knights of Ren because for a long time we thought they were going to be more consequential on the story as well. And like, Mm. we were pretty sure he was going to be, antagonistic in some way and i'm not sure why but like we had conversation after conversation about matt smith i guess just because it seemed right like the guy seems like he should be in star wars and i guess there's still a chance for that yeah absolutely and he was also he was in discussions for it at the same time that they were casting other people and so he he very easily could have been in star Wars. And so when they cast Kerry Russell, they were having those conversations. And so it does make sense. Uh, it's great to finally know the truth. And uh, I do. And you know, if they wanted to do a young Palpatine, I do think they could still use a guy like Matt Smith again uh, or somebody else. What else we got in the news? Anything else? Uh, not too much. Ludwig Goranson. Uh, best uh, score soundtrack for visual media nomination at this year's Grammys. So that's awesome. In particular for volume two of season two's soundtrack. So it's episodes 13 to 16. Cool. That Luke Skywalker uh, music is is pretty epic. So Honestly, a, a Ludwig Göransson is like one of those guys who could get an EGOT. Because like, it's only a matter of time before he wins an Academy Award because the field is so narrow and he's so good. And also mm-hmm. like, they're going to want to get him to do a Star Wars score for a movie at some point. And definitely, and that's kind of like a shoe in. Um, so, and you know, the Emmys and the Grammys and the Oscars it's really just the Tony that I guess would be a little evasive for him, but I believe in it. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he's like partners in crime with Donald Glover, I'm sure the two of them will work on their egots together yeah, and good point. find a way and find a way to, to, to hammer home that Tony. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the egot. I, I just find it to be such a fascinating thing. And songwriters in particular, I think have the clearest path. Yes, yes, they definitely do. Um, But I think he's definitely one that's lined up for it. Uh, In addition to that, uh, two, uh, well, one other big thing, uh, and the rest of it is really, it's about Ahsoka. And so that would be uh, Dave Filoni's conversation just a little bit uh, about the Ahsoka show is, I thought of this adventure for Ahsoka for a long time, and it's interesting to see how it's evolved. Years ago, I never would have imagined that it was sprung from a branch of a tree that had some... I never would have imagined that it was sprung from a branch of a tree that had anything to do with a guy like Din Djarin or a child that looks like Yoda. It's a great lesson for me on how when you have these creatives like John Favreau, they can help lend such dimension and depth to what you're doing. So that's cool. That it's yeah. kind of like he's had this story, but the, the entry point, uh, he's really happy with kind of the way it, it kind of linked in for him. So that's encouraging. That's really nice. I hope that he gets to be a very, and I think he will get to be a very, uh, important shepherd for Ahsoka going forward because arguably she has some of her best story ahead of her and yep. I'm really psyched to see that and obviously she's very important to to Dave Filoni yeah and absolutely and she he's going to be the showrunner and, and the main director of that show and the and main writer and so it's that I'm, I'm insanely excited for that one and in addition to that we have uh, Natasha Lou Bordizzo who will be playing Sabine Wren Oh, yeah. uh, as a confirmed main 
cast character. So this is slam dunk that we are pretty much getting the Rebels sequel in live action and that we will be getting Ahsoka and Sabine going off and looking for Ezra and Thrawn. And so that means that we will potentially be getting Sabine in Mandalorian as well because she is a Mandalorian. Uh, Sabine is uh, uh, a rebellious uh, Mandalorian who kind of for- decided to leave the Mandalorian culture and join the Rebel Alliance, which is not really a common thing for Mandalorians to do, uh, was an Imperial, an, an Imperial explosive ex- explosives expert uh, and ultimately helped destroy Mandalore <laughs> mm. uh, accidentally. And so then joined the Rebel Alliance to do a little bit of repentance. Uh, and so Sabine is an awesome character. Uh, Natasha Lou Bordozo looks exactly like how I would imagine Sabine would look like in live action. It's kind of crazy. Great. Uh, and she's a black belt. Oh, cool. So it seems kind of like a slam dunk, great casting. So maybe she got hired because of her athletics. Like she's not an especially famous actor. She's not a famous actress, but she does have a, a decent body of work. Uh, she was in um, Guns Akimbo with uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Yep. Uh, she's been in a number of TV shows. Um, she, she has a, a, a solid IMDb for someone uh, in her inner mid tw- in her 20s. Uh, and so I, I, this, I'm, not, I'm not discouraged about her acting abilities in the, in the sense this is not her. She certainly has way more experience than someone like Daisy Ridley had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when she got Ray, uh, maybe a little bit more like uh, John Boyega's acting experience at that point, maybe even a little bit more than that. Um, but on top of the also being uh, a black belt uh, and dropping out of law school to become an actress uh, when she got a, her first starring role. So this is just an interesting person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but as an overall, uh, the perfect look and physicality. Uh, so that's an extremely important element for this character. It's nice to me if they don't always prioritize getting some big, like heavy, splashy, fancy name. Like it's great. Like oh, yeah. a, a Rosario Dawson is like a like a known actress has been around for a long, long time, and like she was attached to Ahsoka, and she has star power, and like that works, I guess. But like mm. we don't always have to do that, you know. We don't always have to stunt cast a Chris Pratt as Garfield or something. No, I completely agree. Uh, Tia Sakar, who did the voice of Sabine in Rebels, uh, she is uh, also an accomplished actress. And so I think there maybe could have been a chance, but considering that they so clearly wanted to go, um, I I think they had a clear ethnicity that they were aiming for. Yeah. Uh, And so as a result of that, they didn't want to go with Tia Sakar. But in that same vein, uh, I think they could have, and I think she would have probably done a really good job. Um, but either way, the physicality angle, clearly <laughs> Natasha is going to be able to, to pull that off and they won't need as much stunt double work. So that'll be certainly a handy element for a leading character. And Katie Sackhoff's really lucky eh, that she gets to play both versions of her character in live action and cartoon. Yes, she is. Uh, she is absolutely the exception and yeah. not the rule. No, uh, I did hear through the grapevine that uh, Ashley Eckstein uh, didn't. Um, didn't even get an audition for the Ahsoka. That's too bad. Role, so that that does kind of suck. But yeah, um, I, w- I would I would have hoped Tia Sakar would have uh, because she has like she was in the good place. Uh, she's mo- a much more accomplished actress uh, in, in live action than Ashley Eckstein. But, yeah. Uh, either way, uh, it does. 
Rebels definitely focused, and I know uh, Katie Sackhoff was Clone Wars first, but Rebels all really focused with Mandalorians on casting people that could play themselves. Right. So Kevin McKidd will also definitely be showing up. Uh, and um, what's his face? Um, Toby something. Uh, oh, Tobias Menzies. Tobias Menzies. Yeah. Thank you. He also will be showing up. So. I love that dude. He's such a good actor. Yeah, those guys will. There's no way that they won't be uh, reprising uh, their faces. Uh, even um, Clancy Brown as well. He probably could too. Um, the bunch of characters in Rebels that they really drew to uh, or animated to look like the actors. Great. Want to do the birthdays? Yep. Happy birthday on Friday, November 19th to Adam Driver. I saw the reviews actually Ooh. just now uh, came out for um, for House of Gucci, just like in the low 60s on Rotten Tomatoes, which kind of surprised me. Oh, yeah, I guess. I mean, with it, I bet you it's one of those movies where there's nothing anybody can say about any of the acting. But if if the movie's not great, then maybe it would have completely gotten raked over the coals if not for such amazing acting. I guess as Ridley Scott generally makes a pretty good movie. I don't know. That's true. Anyway, uh, Monday, uh, November 22nd, a happy birthday to Alden Ehrenreich and Mads Mikkelsen, their birthday buds. And on Thursday, November 25th, a happy birthday to uh, Sheila Fraser, Aunt Beru in A New Hope. I haven't updated the birthdays in a long, long time. I might be missing some people who've been like brought into the fold since then, but uh, those are the ones that are here on my calendar. A happy birthday to those folks. Listen, we've got uh, just like, what, five, six, seven more weeks before Book of Boba Fett? Six, I think. Uh, so that's going to sneak up really fast, and we're going to continue to have these predictive conversations in the meantime. But if you have any thoughts on what we've talked about so far, any ideas for what might be happening within Star Wars, we'd love to hear about them. Uh, you can tweet at Recorder66, or you can email Recorder66Podcast at gmail.com. Please remember to rate and review on your preferred podcast app, or if you're with us on YouTube, just uh, like and subscribe. That would be awesome. And until we're together again, may the Force be with you. 